Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus the Twins. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in. It is once again the Sox on Tap post-game show. Johnny Nani here. I've got Tony Marchese alongside me, and we are recapping a White Sox 10-4 winner out in Seattle tonight. Tony, these victory beers taste great once again. Johnny, I'm going to crack one right there with you, buddy. Cheers to another White Sox victory. It was just about 24 hours ago, man. We were getting on these microphones talking about a White Sox victory and talking about doing this again tonight. And here we are, man. Cheers. Hey, Tony, you know what I'm most excited about? And I already titled the episode this, so I'm going to bring it up right away is this was our stacking double digits night. What did we say last night? What do we want? We wanted 10 runs. We wanted double digits. We wanted, we wanted more victory beers. What was the second tier of the double digits? What was the second tier of the double digits, man? I've had a lot of beers. You you gotta you gotta we, fill me in on this one right now. We, we wanted ten Ks from Giolito, and I said, "No, oh, I wonder." Oh, if that is a, true. That you could place on that, and back that and is forth, true. And yeah, we you got know, it. You know, they should start letting us place or uh, put some of those wagers down over at Bat Rivers, um, because we we had it right there last night, Johnny. We had it right there last night. Ten strikeouts for Giolito, who didn't have his best stuff. We'll get into that. And then ten runs for the White Sox offense, man. I'm just I'm just drinking them down at this point. I love the fact that you don't even remember that now at the start of this episode. I love it. I know these are in nocturnal crazy hours, and you've been drinking all day, which is great. I love it, but you know, I think it's hilarious, and that just sums up the essence of yeah. Sox on tap here, dude. Um, I, I love it. I, I love it, and I'm so happy to be talking about White Sox winners here, albeit against the Mariners. But you know, hey. Like we said last night, you got to beat these teams, the teams you're supposed to beat, take care of them. So hopefully we can be coming out of here uh, with the sweep tomorrow, heading back home uh, for the opener on Thursday. But before we get into any of the specifics of what went on in tonight's 10-4 White Sox winner, I need to let the listeners know, make sure you are going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter at SoxOnTap and the main account at on tap sports net once again if you enjoy the podcast go subscribe rate and review wherever you listen when you subscribe you can get these podcasts right in your queue so you don't need to go seek them out and uh, search for us on twitter and whatnot but hey if you do that too we put the tweet out too along with those links but subscribe either way so um beyond that tony grandstand is the place to get your white socks merch you can find them online at grandstandsocks.com and on social media all social media at grandstand socks so you know they got the urinator jerseys in there like we talked about last night have feelings more abreu uh, jerseys will be flying off the shelf after night uh, maybe some giolitos and uh hey zach collins a little bit too here uh so let's break in with your initial thoughts on this game initial thoughts on this game johnny um you know two things i'll touch on on, on the pitching uh giolito 
uh, looked impressive today. Didn't have his best stuff. I think we can we can kind of debate that one. I know Steve Stone talked a lot about it on the broadcast. Didn't have his best stuff. I even thought his velocity was down. I know a lot of people were commenting on it. But, hey, dude, he pitched a hell of a fucking ball game and looked absolutely lethal at points throughout. So, a shit from Giolito. That's, that's on the pitching side. Uh, on the offense, man, they picked up right where we wanted them to. Johnny, we talked a lot about it last night, getting you know timely hits, doing some stuff uh, to, to just drive runs across. I said last night, this team needs to get back into hitting the long ball, and they did that tonight as well. And Jose Abreu, man, number 200 for him and his career. Uh, congratulations to Jose Abreu, man. Uh, MVP shit right there. So just all-around great White Sox victory tonight, Johnny. Uh, let's get your initial thoughts and let's break this thing down. Now, milestones, man. Milestones, baby. Uh, you know, obviously you had the big one, and that is Jose Abreu's 200th career home run. And, you know, of course it came in grand fashion because that's what Pito does. That's our MVP. I love it. Um, it was excellent to see. And that was a big insurance blast because at that point in the game, it was 6-3 to three White Sox. And we'll get to how all of that unfolded to get to that point. But either way, it was a huge insurance blast. He came up after a couple, you know, walks and whatnot and cleared those bases perfectly uh, with a monster shot. You know, I love Benetti's call all of it too just oh yeah i mean that that's like what i was saying oh yeah is last night after his performance uh i love the kool-aid man references uh maybe even that was unintentional for jason benetti i still get a chuckle out of it because that's what i think so Jose was, it, Brady, was it unintentional I was mean, it unintentional? I, I think it was because he was like leading up into it before. And then he's like, you know, talking about a Bray UO hitting like this and that. And like, you know what he did last year. And, you know, he'd like to draw this out of the park. And then, you know, of course he did it. So he just, you know, confirmed it by saying, oh, yeah. But I always just default. You know me. Uh, I love my family guy. Default to the Kool-Aid man clip. So uh, that, that's one milestone. But then the other is Andrew Vaughn getting his first hit because, you know, a lot of people thought, is this ever going to come? And we had talked about it last night about him, you know, assimilating and whatnot. And uh, I don't know if the hit by pitch RBI. Uh, for his first career RBI last night. Uh, did anything to do that? I doubt it. But either way, uh, good to see him get off the schneid uh, nonetheless. So that, that milestone, and like you talked about, I think you summed up the pitching well. We'll get more into that as well. Um, but, you know, uh, overall, uh, you know, Luis Robert also hit his first home run of the season, which is nice to see uh, because that guy, if he gets going, you're going to need it. First of all, you're going to need him to get going if Eloy Jimenez is out. And, um, you know, it, he uh, he can just absolutely unload on one. I love the sound of the ball coming off the bat uh, when he hits it. Dude, Luis Robert, and I want to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, just, you know, absolutely had his opportunities at the plate tonight to to do some damage. Uh, and I really liked seeing him in the two hole because he had a little bit of protection behind him. And I think that, uh, you know, that that just gives him just that extra bit to not face some of those uh, low and away in the dirt pitches that he's going to swing at because you've got some real hitters behind Luis Robert when he's batting second. I know that's not where he's going to wind up long term overall, but I really love having some protection around Luis Robert. And, you know, he had some good at bats tonight, some really good uh, uh, play appearances uh, where he, he did not get himself out uh, and seeing him be able to connect with that one, just a absolute rope uh, out there in the left field. So I, I love seeing that too, Johnny. Yeah, so, so those are my initial thoughts. Uh, let's get into how the scoring unfolded in this one. Uh, White Sox would open it up uh, in the top of the second, Tony, and Moncada led off with a walk, um, advanced to second on a wild pitch. Mercedes grounded out, and then uh, Vaughn walked, and 
Zach Collins drove him all in with a three-run shot. Good to see him getting going early, uh, not sh- you know showing that spring training wasn't just a fluke because he was sitting like that during uh, the time down in the Cactus League. Yeah, and a lot of questions about Zach Collins in the lineup tonight over Yasmani Grandal. I mean, I'm, I'll be the first to admit when I saw the lineup come out, I, that was the first thing that I fucking questioned, man. And I, I, I didn't, I wasn't vocal about it on Twitter, but you know, it doesn't take, you know, rocket appliances, as you like to say, that you know, Yasmani Grandal is just, you know, a more proven uh, player than than Zach Collins at this point in time, and you expected. Yeah kind of you know that that kind of lineup tonight with Yasmani Grandal in it I mean mm-hmm. it just made sense with the lefty pitcher on the mound Johnny uh that you'd get Yasmani Grandal in there tonight uh Zach Collins tomorrow uh that was you know what a lot of White Sox fans thought and I've got to throw one out to our good friend Andrew Kinsler tonight because he's got the like you know the old takes exposed tweet of the night there um you know when he when he tweeted out I can't understand how uh, you know, Zach Collins is in over Yasmani Grandal tonight. There's a lot of questions about Zach Collins's game. And, you know, Tony La Russa actually showed his cards tonight, put Zach Collins in there, and guess what? It it worked. Yeah, and you know what the thing is? I, I can kind of see both sides of it because, I uh, first of all, it was a little bit of head-scratcher for me, too, from the handedness matchup. I think that's the biggest thing. But when you're talking about space between off days here, I think that's yep. where it made sense for TLR. So that is what uh, the decision actually uh, ended up being based on. And um, it obviously paid off because Zach Collins uh, drove in these first three runs. So uh, that's what we were just discussing here. Uh, let's move on. And a little bit I of do, a, Johnny, I don't, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but I do want to preface that with had this game been a stinker and, you know, Zach <laughs> Collins was 0 for 4 at the plate tonight, yeah. we'd probably be sitting here with a little bit of a different tone talking about, like, why wasn't Yasmani Grandal in the lineup tonight? So, you know, just for as I, much praise as we're going to give one side, like, let's take a look and re- remember that, uh, you know, this this was a bet that paid off. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's important to do here, Tony, especially on Sox on Tap, where we can kind of have this free-flowing discussion about it. Um, but also, I, I think it needs to be taken into consideration as well, uh, the injury that Yaz was nursing throughout spring training. So that's why I think these off days are coming when they are, and whether that be handed, handed uh, handedness mashup, uh, be damned. Uh, it's going to happen whenever uh, they feel he needs that rest so they can get him uh, to be playing at his highest level when he is in the lineup. So, um, yeah, I agree. There, there's both sides to that as well, and I agree. I'd probably be best off uh, right alongside you if this had not resulted in Zach Collins uh, hitting the home run. And he also, uh, he wasn't done there. He would have more, but we'll get to that later. So uh, let's move on. The Mariners would strike back in the bottom of the third, Tony. Uh, Torrens let off the single. Fraley grounds into a force out at second. And, and this play with Madrigal here, you need to fill me in here because I did uh, kind of like here. I actually called our guy Akins to get the full rundown of it because he texted me a little bit about it. Madrigal's play here. Uh, but I was recording the Blackhawks post game. We're busy here. I was over at Four Feathers Pod doing that with our guy Ron Luce. Um, so tell me what happened with the Madrigal play here on this right in the middle of this inning that kind of led to some of the runs that the Mariners scored early on. Yep. So you got a runner on first base. Uh, easy, easy, easy. Uh, ground ball to Madrigal for a double play kind of bobbles it a little bit off of the forearm uh, top of the glove there trying to field the ground ball and just doesn't field it cleanly man like the hands were not there took a little bit of a hop on him I'll give him that and and, you're not going to make every play but you know when it's when when things aren't going right for you man uh, they're not going right for you and that was Nick Madrigal on this one Uh, just kind of you know 
tough fielding play uh, for him. Just kind of lobs it over to second base to get the one out. Uh, but you should have been out of it right there with the double play, Johnny. It was just almost inexcusable uh, from a sense of a major league player should be able to uh, field that and get that thing turned. Well, it's just remnants of this last uh, series against the Angels that, you know, plagued the White Sox during that. Um, obviously, going into uh, late inning situations with leads um, that should not, you know, some games shouldn't have even been that close, uh, given the defensive mistakes that were made uh, earlier on. So that, that's an unfortunate development. Yeah. And like you'd said, I think it's just uh, Nick Madrigal's in a funk. And uh, it's the, what, Murphy's Law. Anything anything, and everything that can go wrong will. Uh, unfortunately, it's Madrigal's Law right now. Yeah, so. yeah it, it is. And I I want to comment on this too, just a little bit, go in more depth. Um, you know, when that play took place, I I, I got a comment uh, back on Twitter, like, you know, it, you know, why do you feel this way or whatever? And I think that, you know, Madrigal's gold glove defense comes into question a lot. And I, back to the Shy Sox weekly days, Johnny, when Nick Madrigal was drafted, one of my biggest concerns about him was the fact that, you know, in his, in his last year of college ball, he was displaced at shortstop and moved over to second base for an incoming freshman. And to me, that raised some really big red flags about his defense that I've still questioned to this day because we've seen these mistakes popping up over and over again, Johnny, at least early on in his career, when his glove was so highly touted. So some of these things that I had question marks about before are starting to surface. And I think that that's almost more concerning to me than his struggles at the plate. I don't know if you want to comment on that further, um, but you know, th that's just something that, you know, I want to keep an eye on as we, you know, go through the season. So Tony, you did a little bit better job of the uh, pre-scouting uh, on Nick Madrigal uh, when you're talking about that with the college stuff, because I didn't even know that uh, until you brought it up here on the post game show uh, a couple of nights ago. So um, my concern from Nick Madrigal was uh, obviously there were a couple instances last year. You could go back to like the pirate series, um, but one of the games that the White Sox absolutely should have won. He made an error in that. And then there was also the, obviously the Oakland uh, series and game two of that. And he was costing Dallas Keuchel um, basically uh, a chance to get out of an inning in one of the you know the biggest game of the year at that point um obviously game three would end up being you know another one but they you know things could have not even gotten there had nick magical made a play you know and the whole uh kind of chain of reaction uh flows after that so and you know how hard i took that oakland series i took that all the way through the offseason so uh you were not uh you know you had to hear a lot of that throughout there so um yeah it, it's interesting to you know kind of see that uh, when you talk about a minor league gold glover uh, at the position it should not be having these sort of issues but like once again i, I was on that hawks post game so i did not see the play let's roll through uh because there was a bunch more scoring in this one nonetheless when that play happens uh madrigal does end up getting the out at second um the force out there, uh, but then that put Fraley on first base, who then stole second. Uh, Crawford singled, and Hanniger hits an RBI single to get the Mariners on the board 3-1. France uh, ropes onto the gap for a two-RBI double, and uh, that ties this game up at 3-3. Uh, and luckily, Lucas Giolito uh, was able to pitch out of this inning with a couple of strikeouts, actually three more strikeouts, but one of those did reach uh, on a Zach Collins uh, kind of backhanding the ball. Um, and a change up in the dirt. So uh, White Sox able to get out of that one, but hey, you're probably not feeling too great after going up 3-0 and then relinquishing that lead uh, just an inning later. No, and I tweeted it out right when this inning was going on uh, that, you know, everything that happens from here forth comes back to Nick Madrigal because, you know, after that you've got the play 
uh, where uh, a fly ball is hit out to uh, Andrew Vaughn in left field. He kind of makes a slide uh, out there in left field, you know, just unable to get to the ball. Um, and there were some comments about, you know, a major league left fielder is able to get to that and you're out of it there. You know, I, I still go back to the fact that the double play should have been turned. Um, you know, this kind of forced Lucas Giolito to work a little bit harder than he, you know, honestly should have had to. Um, and that's where some velocity concerns started to crop up with Lucas Giolito uh, only reaching 91, 92 on the fastball. Um, still able to work effectively through this, in my opinion, but um, at the same time, like you don't want to see an extra 27 pitches because you're unable to turn a double play. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't tell, uh, you know, Chuck Naso, who's been vocal about this as well and, and been commenting back and forth on Twitter with me about this. Like you need to remember that th- this Nick Madrigal play can come back to haunt you um, as it did back Johnny in the Oakland series. So we've seen this before. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, there's a precedent that's set for it. You, you tax your pitcher for an extra 27 pitches. You give up three runs that, that just really shouldn't have happened to begin with. Um, just a bad inning overall, I think for the White Sox. And it, it's, it's the defense again, that, that shows up there. There's a lot of positives in this game. There was, there was so many of them and you could talk about the pitching. You could talk about the offense, but I, I can't get through this post game, Johnny, without really harping on this because this has to improve. On a night where your offense doesn't click, things are going to get ugly uh, if you make mistakes like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're lucky that Lucas Gilito was able to get to those 10Ks and do what he did. And that that well, just proves the level that he's pitching at right now. I just, you, just to drive home your point. Look at the last two series the White Sox have played. And I say two years, you're like, oh, we're in only the second series of the year. No, look at the last two series the White Sox have played. Opening series at Anaheim. Wild card series at Oakland last year. Common denominator for some of those losses. Defense. So It, it has been the defense. And it's been on the West Coast too, Johnny. I don't know if it's the West Coast. Let's get back to the AL yeah. Central. I know I'm just trying to, I'm trying to grasp at straws I, here. I'm trying to grasp well, at straws, and maybe like that's just the White Sox I, fan in me to I, say like bad, like bad trip out west. But man, well, I just, I yeah, no, I agree with you too. I mean, I, ever since I was a kid, I hated the West Coast uh, for the you know the the play that would be uh, on the field uh, out there. So uh, I'm with you on that uh, kind of sentiment. But I, I just wanted to bring that up because when you're talking about when does this cost you, it's like okay, well, when the offense isn't rolling high leverage situations, uh, big games, obviously wild card series last year, so that's when it can cost you, and that's why we kind of harp on this shit here uh, in a you know whatever fucking fifth game of the year. So, or sixth game of the year. So, all right, let's move on because after this, Tony, you would get a lot more positive for the White Sox. In the top of the yes. fifth, Madrigal let off with the single. Eaton grounds into a force at second, but then Luis Robert comes up and hits this fucking pissed missile out to left field. Beautiful. Absolutely crushed it. Yeah, absolutely did, Johnny. And that's what you want to see from Luis Robert. I'm going to crack another beer uh, in honor of that fucking, you know, just gong show that was that home run, man. Like, Luis Robert, dude, like there, he's just an animal. He looks the part. He does everything. I wish Buzz was on the show. You got to roll the R, you know, for that one, man. Like Luis Robert, home run, right there. Luis Robert. Yeah, there we go. We tried our best, Buzz. You're not here. Uh, I don't think either of us can do it as as well as he can because he can roll that shit for you know 15 minutes straight. But man, dude. 
it's so good seeing him be able to leave the ballpark, Johnny, because I want his offensive game to explode. The White Sox offense is going to be so much more dangerous when this guy learns how to just fucking lay off some of those pitches. I mentioned it earlier, get some protection in the lineup. He's just such a dangerous Batman, and I want to see it explode for 20-plus home runs this year. Yep, and Luis Robert, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that. Yes, sure, he did strike out twice tonight, but we've come to, you know, know that that is part of Luis Roberts game, at least early on here. And obviously we hope that can be rectified uh, with, you know, some more seasoning in the big leagues. We got to remember this kid is still so young, but he also did draw a walk tonight. So, you know, kind of talking about real small details here, there's instances in the Anaheim series too, where he did draw a walk at one point too. So it, it is literally small building blocks like that because there are other times where people are questioning, Oh, as soon as Luis Robert gets to Oh two, they he might as well only have two strikes. I think I saw that tweet out there at one point too. So, um, because as soon as he gets so two, it's already, you know, a game over there. So, I uh, just wanted to mention that, but that, that was the Luis Robert Homer that put the White Sox back in the lead in this one at five to three, uh, White Sox would add on more in the top of the seventh, Tony Adam Eaton let off with the single, uh, Robert, uh, gets a single to center. It was a fly ball dropped by Trammell, uh, but either way ruled the single kind of soft in my opinion, but either way, uh, that's what they'll give him the box score. That moves Eaton to third. Uh, Abreu brings one home with the sack fly there. Um, White Sox weren't able to do anything more after that, but hey, Abreu just getting the job done. I said, it's all good, man, at that point, because, you know, sure, he'd like to get a little bit more of that one, and he would later in this game. So um, as we get into that one, it was the top of the eighth then, just one inning later for the White Sox at the plate. Madrigal hit by pitch with two outs. I like that all this comes with two outs, Tony, because you got you got the first two. I think it might be okay with, well, we're getting like, you know, kind of still within this three-run range. It's still kind of close. Um, th- this would get blown open here because, like I would mentioned, Madrigal reach with that hit by pitch. Eaton walks. Robert walks. So you take advantage of, you know, just being patient against a guy that is not able to locate the zone after those two outs. Um, and then Abreu, 200th home run of his career, is a grand slam, no doubter, out to left. How good did that feel? MVPs do MVP shit, Johnny. That's that's all this is. And, yeah, I see you taking a swig of the beer right there. I'm going to have to do the same. Jose Abreu, I don't think we talk about him enough, Johnny. I, I don't think we really talk about Jose Abreu enough. And I think some of that comes from the sense that, like, I, I look at MVPs over the course of the last, you know, you know, five to ten years in Chicago, and I think of guys like Patrick Kane who've won – three Stanley cups. I I think of guys, you know, during that Hawks run who are just prominent household names in Chicago who, who take home these accolades and are just, you know, they're superstars. People know who Patrick Kane is because he's one of the best NHL players, you know, not, not only, you know, for the Blackhawks, but for the league. And then you get a guy like Jose Abreu, who's on a team in the White Sox, who, you know, he, we haven't won a championship. We haven't had a deep playoff run. We haven't had the same type of, you know, national attention as a team like the Blackhawks have. And that's that's really weird to think of when you when you look at the Chicago sports landscape and say like, okay, where does Jose Abreu rank here? But you're talking about an AL MVP, 200 home runs. He came over to the league late in his career. I mean, he wasn't a young 20 year old. He was this like 27 guy, years he was old. Like 27 years old. And, and here he is, you know, 200 home runs so far. The leader of this team, you know, I, I really think it's going to take a deep playoff run 
a championship for Jose Abreu. And I think he's the kind of guy that has that drive. But, you know, this is a guy that we were talking about about a year ago in my garage on this show. Like, do you resign him? What do you do with him? Here he is, just the catalyst of this offense. Two grand slams already this season, Johnny. Two grand slams. He's shown up uh, in big games uh, of late. Like most of the White Sox highlights I can think of over the last two years involve like a lot of Jose Abreu. So I just, I don't think he gets the credit even for as much as like White Sox fans do give Jose Abreu credit. I don't think he gets the credit nationally. I think he's criminally underrated, Johnny. And, you know, just good for him. 200 home runs on the Grand Slam. I'm falling more and more in love with Jose Abreu every goddamn time he comes to the plate. I I think a little bit uh, of the national kind of coverage did get shined on him uh, after winning the MVP last year. But you know what? Unfortunately, Tony, I I kind of uh, agree with the track we're going down here because that was off season. And they're also looking to just fill content and and highlight, you know, what was the best of the best from the past season. So I feel like that kind of, you know, that was great for that. And that was, you know, awesome when you turned on MLB network and you got highlights, you know, every third day about talking about the ALX factors and all, you know, whatever, whatever the segment may be of the, of that day that they're just trying to kind of, you know, keep things going while the off season's in a wall. Um, But yeah, when you talk about stuff like this in the emphatic kind of fashion that he does it in, um, you know, those are big insurance runs for the White Sox, first of all, in this game. And then second of all, uh, the milestone, what better, you know, it it could, you could have easily hit a home run that was a oppo shot or one to left field. You know, we've seen ones barely sneak into the bullpen uh, in that guaranteed rate field, left field bullpen, uh, where it's kind of a little bit of a short porch and, you know, it's not, too hard to get, but no, he just demolished this one. And I think it's just kind of very fitting uh, for what Jose Abreu has become in terms of both production wise and then superstar wise uh, on the South side of Chicago. So I think it's a great kind of um, reflection of that. If you agree with that. Yeah, I do. And I think some of that Johnny is just the fact that like, if you, if you ask Jose Abreu and I didn't listen to the post game, but if you ask Jose Abreu, like, Oh, were you looking for 200 here in this situation? Um, you're going to get an honest answer out of him. And the answer is no, you're looking to put your team on, on, on top here. You're looking to add some insurance runs. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that he would have been fine with the double there. He's, he's very humble in the way he goes about mm-hmm. his superstardom, uh, that I think kind of just, you know, lets him fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah, they, no, I, I think that's a perfect encapsulation of it. So congratulations to Jose Abreu. If you want to know more about why this is so historical and where he ranks among White Sox lore and MLB lore uh, after this 200th career home run, go to ontapsportsnet.com. Our guy Iowa Zach was right on top of it. Uh, love Iowa Zach, uh, you know, a new addition to the ONTAP Sportsnet team. He's going to be great for us here uh, this year. But he wrote that article and he had that ready. Uh, so when Jose Abreu's 200th home run happened, uh, we have all of the kind of figures there uh, that shows where he is among, you know, and I just, I will preface it by saying he's right below a White Sox Mount Rushmore of hitters. So uh, go, go check out that article on tapsportsnet.com for more. So Tony, let's move on in this game. At that point, that Jose Breu Grand Slam made it 10 to three Sox in the top of the eighth. Um, in the bottom of the ninth, the 
Mariners would tack on one with Evan Marshall in the game. Uh, it was a Mitch Hanniger RBI ground out that made it 10 to four, but Evan Marshall eventually able to record the last out and Jose Bray, the one to be putting that last out away. So hopefully he kept the game ball. I know it might be a stretch to get that home run ball back. Hopefully someone can track it down for him, but either way you can get the game ball from this uh, final out because he did record that and uh, White Sox win 10 to four here tonight. So um, what are your other kind of uh, significant notes? Uh, you know, anything that you got that you, that's on the mind here to uh, wrap up this uh, before we get into the series finale preview. You know, Johnny, I just think that the White Sox played an excellent game tonight. Um, you know, there, there were times where, you know, we picked apart some of the defensive issues, uh, but overall, you know, the, the, the things that needed to work for the White Sox, which is the offense and the pitching came together tonight and got the job done. Um, again, uh, you know, I'm not going to try and celebrate this one all too much in the sense that, uh, you know, the Mariners, as we said last night, are a team that you need to beat, that you can beat, and you need to beat those teams. So uh, they got the job done doing this. Uh, I think this is another positive step forward. Uh, we talked last night about, you know, this is the the building block of a win streak. Here's step two. Uh, so you're just laying bricks right now. Um, you know, Steve Stone mentioned something on the broadcast as well. He's like, uh, if, uh, if the Sox don't win this one, it doesn't matter all too much in the grand scheme of things. And, and my first thought, Johnny, was if they lose this one, is this one that you can point back to? And this was when it was still a 6-3 ball game. Uh, if they lose this one, is this one that you can point back to that, that's winnable? Um, and, and they got the job done. And I think that that's important because, you know, these early season victories that we can rake up against, uh, you know, teams that are inferior to the White Sox, these are going to matter at some point down the road. Uh, the Minnesota Twins have started the season. I know they lost today. They started the season fairly well. Um and uh, even though it's not even a full weekend, like I'm still looking at that stuff because I, I feel like I don't know about you, Johnny, but I'm so dialed into this this year that like I'm already watching the standings. I'm already looking at how this is going to shake out. I'm already that amped about it because this is our year. This is what's been this is what's been sold to us. This yeah, is a well, competing team. Well, what I think it's so important is like, you know, sure. Like, like Steve Stone, I will agree with Steve Stone in the essence that, yeah, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like, yeah, the White Sox can come back and, you know, go on an absolute hot stretch and a tear and negate like something like this if they were to lose this. But, 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 but when we look at the very, very end of this thing, when it comes down to the wire, what's going to be the difference between, you know, division title and a wild card or a wild card not making the playoffs? It very well could be, you know, oh, damn, if we would have had that extra, you know, win here against uh, one of these teams, where could we pick this one up? Oh, did we, yes. what did we do it against the Tigers? What do we do against this? What do we do? What do we do against the Mariners early on? So, yeah, it's like in the grand scheme of things, sure, you could rebound. If you would have lost this one, you could absolutely rebound. Not, not saying that it's not a possibility. But at the same time, when you win it, it gives you a little extra insurance. It gives you a little extra uh, oomph, a little extra kind of, uh, you know, point in the standings there. Then at the end, maybe one, le- maybe that is one that, you know, is obviously you don't want to lose a game down the stretch. But, hey, if you have a fucking shitty game against the Royals down the stretch in, like, you know, late August, September, probably not feeling as bad about that one. You know, sure, we'll probably be pissed off right. in the postgame when you and I do that one, inevitably, yes. Tony. But at the same time, 
we'll also look back and be like, okay, well, at least we salvaged one of these back here uh, uh-huh. in Seattle. So no, I, I think I you 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 sum that up exactly with what I was trying to get to. Um, you know, like later on in the year, there's going to be that game where we we really wanted. Um, this is the type of one that I want to. Uh, maybe I'm just sending messages to myself in the future. Like, remember this one because it could have gotten ugly after the magical incident. Yep. That, and, and you turned it around and you got this one done. This was a win that you can look back on and say, like, maybe we shouldn't have had it, but we got the job done. Yeah, well put there. Um, my last thoughts here, Tony, are on pitching because obviously we talked about Giolito, so I don't need to go too much into him any further. I think you summed it up very well early on in the show. Uh, but the other guys that came in tonight, Crochet, Hoyer, and Marshall. Um, Crochet comes in, and uh, that was in the sixth inning. He relieved uh, Lucas Giolito. Uh, he ended up finishing with one inning, uh, one hit, no runs, one walk, two strikeouts. Um, all, all I got to say, and I'll do my best, Cleveland Brown here, that's nasty. Just, yeah, I, I can't even follow that up, man. <laughs> I can't even follow that up. Just turn it back to you. <laughs> it's nasty. I mean, the slider they struck, you know, uh, whoever it was the first one out. Um, excuse me. Uh, it was Torrens the, on the slider, which is just disgusting. And then more, uh, maybe got a little bit of a call, but either way, he painted the fast uh, fastball in the inside corner there. Uh, and that's, you know, of course, upper 90s. So um, just nice to see from Crochet, despite uh, having a walk and a hit against him in that. Um, Hoyer comes in, only two-thirds for him, one hit, um, two strikeouts as well for him. Uh, good to see the bean pole, uh, Cody Hoyer, uh, kind of, you know, throwing his smoke. Uh, you know me, I love my Cody Hoyer. And then Evan Marshall. I think this is one last point that we can uh, discuss briefly here tony and that's uh any concern for evan marshall here early on because you know we saw uh some of the detriments in the uh angel series and now a little bit probably uh, not as clean as you would like in this final inning for marshall so if you have any thoughts on that uh let's hear them you know evan marshall is the kind of guy that johnny i look at and i don't really consider him to be an eighth or even really a seventh it may be a seventh inning option um, I'm not really worried too much because we've seen some history behind him is able to get the job done. But at the same point in time, like you got to look at the White Sox bullpen and realize that, you know, you've got en- enough options right now to kind of cover a guy who's not feeling it. And Evan Marshall's still able to get through and do his job today in a game that, yeah, if it was a little bit closer, you might be a little more nervous, but that's where you got to kind of rely on the offense to get the job done too, as well. So, um, you know, I still thought his stuff moved pretty well. I was really hoping for the, uh, the 12, six curveball at, at 12 30 tonight. Didn't get that. He threw it at 12 29. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I still think he was effective. I still think he was able to get the job done. I think there's enough options in the bullpen right now that you can go to, um, you know, he might not be the guy that Tony LaRusso wants to go to in a one-run ball game right now. Uh, but, you know, you, you, there's plenty of opportunities for him to get his work and get to that point where he's going to be a reliable option again. Again, we're not talking about Jose Ruiz and a reclamation project uh, going out there in a one-run ball game. This is a guy that's been there. He's done it. We've seen him be effective. I think the major question around him is, you know, down the stretch when you really need him, is he going to be that seventh or eighth inning option to get to Liam Hendricks? And one thing that we haven't seen yet so far this year, Johnny, is that traditional 
two, three run ball game going through the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. So you really don't know what Tony LaRusa has in mind for that bullpen to bridge to Liam Hendricks yet, because it's either been a blowout one way or the other or a tie game. And you just haven't had the Sox trying to close down a one to three run ball game yet. Yeah, I think that's good. And also, I just wanted to bring it up because, you know, uh, it, it, it was just uh, kind of a continuing thing from uh, maybe any lingering concerns people had from uh, some of the first outings there uh, in the Angels series. So I just want to bring that up. I'm not concerned about Evan Marshall. I wouldn't say that, uh, but I would agree that he's probably slotted down now. And that just is also a byproduct of the guys that they acquired uh, and that they also have um, that are, you know, going to be starters eventually, but are working in the bullpen right now. So everything kind of gets bumped a little bit. And And obviously I'm okay with that. I'm yeah, okay no, no, I, I, I am too. I just wanted to, you know, because you, you talk about him not being okay, maybe a, you know, eighth inning guy or whatever. 2019, he was. And I know the team was in a different state, but that, that was just, you know, where it was and he was effective in that role. So just wanted to bring that up. That was the last thing here. Um, that eventually recorded the last out White Sox win 10 to 4, like I mentioned. So, Tony, before we get into our preview of the series finale on Wednesday, uh, we need to get a word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor, Manscaped. We're looking out for you here at ONTAP because we have an exclusive 20% off discount using the code ONTAP at manscaped.com. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. What comes in that? Well, the Lawnmower 3.0, which is a waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer to help you trim up the hedges. The trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to make sure your balls are smelling majestic before that tinder date. You'll also find the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which is a spray-on toner that's designed to make your balls smell irresistible. Be sure to add their refined cologne to your arsenal as well. With a perfect package or a performance package purchase, you'll also get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. So go get 20% off and free shipping using the code ONTAP at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor this spring and always use the right tools for your bush trimming experience. Once again, you can get 20% off and free shipping by using the code ONTAP, all one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code ONTAP. It's 2021 you still got bush? Change that with Manscaped. All right. Thank you again to Manscaped. We are back here on the Sox ONTAP postgame show. We just recapped the Sox 10-4 winner over the Mariners on Tuesday night in the second game of that series out in Seattle. Now, Tony, it's time to get to the series finale. Uh, the White Sox will trot out Diamond Dallas Keuchel uh, for his second start of the season against Justin Dunn for the Mariners. Obviously, we kind of know what Keuchel uh, did in his first start there. Uh, not as great, so he'll be looking to bounce back. But Justin Dunn for the Mariners uh, last year, 4-1, 4-3-4 ERA, over 10 starts, uh, 45 in two-thirds innings pitched, uh, so a decent season uh, for Mr. Dunn in 2020. Uh, he is a righty, too. We faced lefties to start um, in these first two games, and also after James Paxton got injured early, a lefty came in for the Mariners. So this will be a, another righty starter uh, that we're seeing for the first time since Shohei Otani on Sunday. 
Johnny, I, I love the fact that the White Sox have been able to feast on left-handed pitching. Um, I don't think any of us are going to argue with that fact. But one thing that I want to see from the White Sox here, and and, and granted, you've already won this series, uh, but you're, we're trying to build winning streaks. And again, this is going to be a winnable game that the White Sox are going into. You want to see them tee off on a right-handed pitcher. Number one, for the fact that, A, it's going to build confidence for this team. I think that there's so much, like, just media attention. You know, the, the, the team has to have so much attention on, hey, it's a lefty. We, we can get this done today. I want to see them go off on a right-handed pitcher and put up 10 runs. Again, putting up 10 runs after you just put up 10 runs the night before is somewhat of an impossible task just because the odds are against you, but you really want to see them start to you know, get some confidence behind facing a right-handed starter. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I would love nothing more than for them to tee off and uh, score even more. Hey, 10, let's keep pushing let's that limit. For, uh, let's go for 15. Yeah, let's push that upper limit. Let's keep going. Um, I don't foresee that happening. Like you said, just the probability uh, odds of it happening on back-to-back days, probably not in their favor. So um, I would predict a lower scoring game, but still the White Sox win. I think they can sweep the series, and I think they will get it done because um, Mr. Dunn, uh, while some of his stuff is pretty electric, uh, there are some command issues there. So if you are able to, I would imagine a one Yasmani Grandal is back in the lineup tomorrow. Um, you obviously got Yohan Mankata, who who has an eye for himself. Um, and you're seeing even guys that you don't expect to, like Luis Robert taking some walks. And granted, that yes. might be taking a pitch advantage of a pitcher who had already been uh, struggling a little bit at the time. But either way, uh, if you can utilize that plate discipline, I think the White Sox will be in for success tomorrow. So I'm predicting winner uh, a little bit closer, though I'd probably go more in the range of about a six to four, six to three ball game uh, for favor of the White Sox. How about you? Prediction time. You know, I'm right there with you. I kind of mentioned just a few minutes ago that we haven't seen the traditional, you know, close it down game. I think this is where we see Liam Hendricks get that save. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it, we've been waiting for it. So um, actually, no, he did lock down a safe on uh, the Friday night game at the Angels. So no, he uh, did. But I, I'm looking for another one. Yeah, no, 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 I, I agree with you. And that, that was a odd one because he kind of like pitched himself into it with the uh, Otani home run in that inning on that Friday night game. So, yeah, a, a traditional one like a, you know, going in with a either, you know, three or less uh, run lead. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, we need a excuse me, a pick to click for you. You know, pick to click. You went unconventional yesterday, so you're kind of forcing me into that one. Um Adam Eaton is that is that unconventional enough? I don't think he's as mainstream as the others. Yeah, was, all right. So like, I'll, I'll go Adam Eaton then. All right. Yeah, you like Adam Eaton there. Um, uh, that's a good one. I will go back to Mr. Yoan Mancata. Um, you know, uh, on the left side of the plate. Um, let's see some dingers. I want to see a, a Yoan blast. So that's what I'm going to go with here. So um, that's about all I've got for this episode, though. Tony, final thoughts, and then we'll get our standard housekeeping and get out of here. Final thoughts. We just crossed two a.m. Johnny. You've seen a Blackhawks victory tonight. You've seen a White Sox victory tonight. The beers have been flowing. This is just an excellent night to be talking sports with you. That's that's the first observation. The second observation that I have is that the White Sox have now won two in a row. 
we need to make it three for an official win streak, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get it done. That's that's all I've got to say. I want more yeah. victory beers tomorrow. Yeah. Three o'clock yeah. game time. Let's do it. Victory beers tomorrow. Yeah. So I don't I don't think I clarified that, but thank you for bringing that up. Uh, actually, three ten p.m. Central Time start. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago once again. Uh, we can find all the White Sox games. So uh, that that's what that will be. I agree with you. Hey, it was a perfect night in Chicago in my book here, um, and I'm sure all White Sox fans listening can agree with this. Blackhawks won earlier tonight, which is excellent. Uh, they needed that one big time. White Sox won tonight. Obviously, the one that we just talked about here. The Bulls won as well. So good to see them. They hate. They're in the same deal as the White Sox now. They've won two in a row. They need their uh, third in a row uh, to get back on a win streak there. Uh, and the Cubs lost, and Wilson Contreras got big mad because he got beaten. So, um, you know, and the Cubs fans were all upset because they were making hypotheticals in their fat heads about, oh, Yachty would have been praised for this or some shit like that. No, you just lost. Just fucking eat it and go out and uh, deal with your next game. So th- that's my final thoughts for tonight here. I, I love the Cubs slander to end this one. From you, Johnny. Thank well, it's the perfect day in Chicago, and they, they were part of it, so I had to bring it up. Yeah, I, I think there's a song about that one. Yeah. I think there's a song about that one. But, yeah. you know, Johnny, I need more beer. I know you need more beer. So let's close this down how we always do. Hit everybody with the uh, the formalities, and let's get out of here. Yeah, formalities once again on tapsportsnet.com is the destination for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter at Socks on Tap and the main account for all Chicago sports at on tap sportsnet. And when you're getting your White Sox merchandise, if you're on the ballpark for the home opener coming up on Thursday, make sure you are stopping into Grandstand. They're very close to the ballpark. You can't miss them. Go. Get your White Sox jerseys. They got your Eminator jerseys. They got Jose Abreu jersey. If you want to celebrate that 200th home run, they've got everything that you need. They can customize it if you want something for yourself personalized on there. They got it all. GrandstandSox.com, GrandstandSox on social media. Go follow them. They're our partners for the season. We love Grandstand Tony. We love White Sox winners. Let's go get a sweep tomorrow. White Sox forever. White Sox forever.